no, as I was saying, um, <laughs> I uh, was a biker and I uh, was involved in a lot of a lot of, uh, you know, shady stuff. Oh, crap. Mm-hmm. We're recording, aren't we? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm Dan. And I'm Eric. And do you know what this is? This is the Accelerative Thrust podcast. It is. Did it I ever? Is. Did I ever tell you? I I'm sure I told you where the name Accelerative Thrust came from, right? Mm-hmm. Future and Shock. Future Shock. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that the viewers probably know because I'm sure that I probably let them know. Hmm. So, if you guys, I don't know why that occurred to me like just now. Uh, let's get back to the biker talk. Okay. All right. So, um, I actually have a funny story about bikers. Um, and, uh, okay. So, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mm -hmm. well, an old friend, I haven't seen him in a long time Mm -hmm. and I'll just, I mean, I doubt he listens to this podcast and probably, he probably doesn't even know about it, but Mm. I'll just say that at one time. I was hanging out with him a lot and hanging out with a lot of people that we know mutually, Mm -hmm. uh, me and you, Eric. And Mm. uh, anyway, um, so his uh, he kind of told these stories and it was just really difficult for me to figure out if he was telling the truth or not or Mm. exaggerating the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, And he told me, okay, so. He was at a show in Iowa City, and uh, all of a sudden, and it was a house show in Iowa City, Hmm. all of a sudden he gets a call, Uh, and this was like before cell phones, Mm -hmm. so this was like the year 2002, probably, Hmm. and so, I mean, well, it wasn't before cell phones, but it was before everyone used the cell phone as their uh, typical way of communicating. Um, Mm -hmm. So landlines were still very much a thing. Hmm. And uh, so this house in Iowa City, which I'm sure you've been to, uh, but I'm going to not name it just for Hmm. the sake of concealing this person's identity. Um, (laughs) And uh, anyway, uh, they get a call at the house and it was his dad wanting to know what time he was going to be home. Hmm. And then he was like, he like went and talked to his dad mm-hmm. and uh, then uh, hung up because he wasn't of age yet. He was like 17 years old at this time, hmm. hung up the phone. And then he comes up and says, I have no idea how the hell my dad got the number <laughs> to this place. And I was like, you didn't give it to him, <laughs> you know, and, you know, because I figured, you know, I know when I was in high school, my parents are just like, do you have a number we can contact you in case? Hmm. There's an Mm -hmm. emergency or something. You know what I mean? So that made sense to me. And he's like, no, no, I never tell my dad where I'm going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, okay. So he figured out the number. And I said, how the hell did he get the number then? Mm -hmm. And he said, well, my dad is friends with a lot of bikers. Hmm. I said, okay. All right. And he said, yeah, they, uh, they know how to get stuff. And I'm like, wow. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so he called in a favor to his dangerous biker friends just to know when his son was going to come home. I guess that I mean, <laughs> I would have saved it for something a little more important than that. But yeah, that's I, just me. I don't know. Whatever. Well, I mean, I, what I want to know is if this thought process, 
And he, he was just saying this was a, a possibility. Right? Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. I just want to think about this scenario for a second. <laughs> I need the number to where my son is right now so I can ask him, um, you know, what time is he going to be home? <laughs> I call my biker friends and I mm-hmm. say, hey, I need a favor. You know, yeah. I got 300 whatever here, $300 here, you know, <laughs> with your name on it. You know, I mean, ser- like, seriously, think about if that really happened in yeah. his mind. Think of how that conversation had to have gone down. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if I believe this story. But. I I don't really know either. Um, but it was entertaining. <laughs> It made me really think about a lot of a lot of a lot about how the world really works, <laughs> or at least in your friend's mind. Well, yeah, and yeah. in my friend's mind, and <laughs> yeah, it's just really crazy. Like, mm-hmm. but if that's true, I wouldn't mind becoming friends with bikers. <laughs> so that way, I could get any piece of information that I want. I, I, I like it. They're they're like meth dealers. Um, and they're also detectives, you know, like, right. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. I've thumbs up for the bikers, man. Thumbs up. And I kind of feel like they kind of, they're the kind of people that call the shots in their own life. You know, like, I don't think they ever say, okay, I guess like ever. They just go, <laughs> hell no, this is the way it is. And yeah. Like, this, this, this is it. You know? man. Yeah. If they, yeah. if they have to say even that much, you're already going to get punched out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, that I never thought of it that way either. Like him respond like a biker responding with that voice. Like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I got the uh, address right now. It's uh, yeah. we found that fucking punk rock yeah. house. <laughs> you want us to go kill him? <laughs> no, no. Oh, no, you no. just want to know what time they're coming home? Oh, no, okay, no, my well, son's there. Are you out of your mind? Yeah, you might have told us that before we slaughtered them all. Yes. Like that was what they were like. Thinking. Before I burned rubber on their faces. <laughs> Goddamn punkers. Yeah. We don't cotton to punkers around here. I do kind of wonder, though. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be punk rockers that are into bikes. You know, like motorcycles. Yeah, I'm sure. So, well, yeah. Lemmy was kind of a punk rocker and i mean i assume he was probably into motorcycles yeah i don't know i, I mean, mean a i lot guess of, a lot of bikers liked lemmy and motorhead so yes i don't know yeah start no telling idea. so Can maybe we fill the, people in on why we're talking about this at all uh, or just leave them in the dark oh yeah uh <clears throat> <laughs> yeah guys, i broke my guys, ankle i broke my nothing. ankle skateboarding and then dan said growing up he wasn't into skateboarding he was a biker well so okay that started this let, let me slightly <laughs> correct you there eric i didn't say that i was wasn't into skateboarding oh i, I remember i i specifically said <laughs> that i wanted to be into skateboarding oh. but i i couldn't i see okay and sorry so to miss actually yeah. I yeah. was kind of into skateboarding by default because mm. I enjoyed watching skate videos. I got and you. I enjoyed watching my friends skate, but yeah. every time I did it, I would, you know, have yeah. to like get a new leg or something. Yeah. You know, which from is like 
where I'm at now. <laughs> I have to get a new leg. Right. So what I ended up, because it was easier for me for some reason, mm-hmm. I was always the one whenever my friends would go out skateboarding, which wasn't very often, by the way. Hmm. But whenever that did happen, because it did happen a few times, mm-hmm. I would just take my bike. Yeah. That way I could keep up with them because there was nice. no way I was going to be able to do it by walking. Yeah. I just got a new bike on Saturday and then broke my ankle on Sunday. So that's, oh, man. that's cool. That's really, really cool world. Well, life. Way if anything, <laughs> you can you can look at yourself as a as kind of a badass for it. <laughs> kind of a bad skater. That's all. <laughs> uh, do you consider yourself a a decent skater though? No, not at all. I'm terrible. Really? No, when, I was how, um, not doing anything cool at all. So, how long ago uh, did you learn skating? I've or had a few you know. different eras but mm, i first started in like 1985 probably Mm -hmm. and then quit in about 1990 uh tried it again in 2000 tried it again in like 2011 and then now again i guess it's like a 10 year sort of thing (laughs) comes and goes you know for some reason when i hear about the year 1990 i just automatically think of mc scat cat yeah, <clears throat> that's actually why I I got out of skateboarding because he was into it and I I wasn't I didn't like MC Scat Cat because he likes <laughs> to smoke. He, yeah, he's definitely <laughs> promoting bad behavior. That's actually, sure. he's pretty cool. I wish there would have been a real cartoon about MC Scat Cat. I really do too. Didn't he did that song with Paula Abdul? Didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. I think he might be Arsenio Hall. Yeah, uh, on The Voice. Yeah, I think so. Maybe huh. not. No, it's not. I made that up. Okay. <clears throat> but I think he, I didn't make it up. The, Arsenio Hall did do something with Paula Abdul. <laughs> oh, I don't remember Musically. that at all. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just in the a video or something. Yeah, very I well. I have no be. idea. Interesting. I, I, yeah. do, I also remember that uh, Scat Man. The, uh, <laughs> the Scat you know, Man? They really, yeah. Don't you remember that song? Yeah. Uh, be ba 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 da boo, ba 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 da boo, be ba 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 da boo. Yeah. I'm the scat man. Yeah, it always bothered me because it was the same melody as um, the song "Brothers" from Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, and I just <laughs> kind of thought really? they ripped it off, and it, it I, made me mad. <laughs> I never knew that. I well, never I mean, even I, thought I, to pay attention. No to anything. one else has ever thought (laughs) i just got a problem you know i got problems (laughs) well that's that's a very very that's important to know though because that changes the whole (laughs) complexity of the whole thing yeah Uh, well i don't i don't even think they did it on purpose it's just one of those things that i i am really good at picking out where melodies are stolen from yeah. yeah Well, yeah, and that's why so I can't write songs too because I feel like I'm ripping off other songs all the time. The, so the last, the last true thing I've ever heard—well, untrue thing—the <laughs> the most untrue thing I've ever heard you say was that that <laughs> you that you can't write songs. I okay, I'm not very prolific because I'll figure out that. Um, uh, a part of the song I wrote sounds just like another song, and I'll scrap it. So it <clears throat> it causes me a lot of um, 
Yeah. Scrapping of songs. So. Or scatting. Yeah. Or scat or crapping. <laughs> crapping. Yeah. Um. I, I crap out some scat songs, and um, it's you know it's great, good stuff. This is kind of making me want to maybe encourage a scat revival. God, I think there already is. Go ahead and just Google um, scat images, and um, I think you'll see that there's a lot of scat activity or scat-tivity. (laughs) Scat activity. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, all of our listeners should um, just Google image search scat right now. (laughs) In unison. Yeah. Do it at work. We cause it to be the most searched thing ever. Do it somehow when your boss walks by, if you can help it. Goes viral because of this damn podcast (laughs) from Iowa. Um, (laughs) No, I think there's already people out there that are pretty into it. Oh, I'm sure. I've, but I, wow, yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense. There's a revival of everything these days, you know. Yeah. And what about Scatman even... Struthers, The Shining? He's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. He was also yeah. Hong Kong Fooey, the voice of Hong Kong Fooey. <laughs> That's so weird. Do you remember that show? I do remember Hong Kong Fooey. It's that so had good. One of the best theme songs yeah. in the history. Hong of Kong Fooey, number one. The number one super <laughs> was it the number super one guy, super, yeah. super guy, yeah. That's he's a great song. Really a, he's not really a guy. He's like a dog. He's right? a dog. Yeah, he's like some, like. Uh, he's like a crummy underdog. That's what yeah. he looks like, if I remember right. I don't know. Very um suspicious looking <clears throat> that Hong Kong Fooey guy. Yeah, but and he has yeah. the Shining too, so that's yeah. how he solved all those cases. <laughs> he's got a lot of experience in his work. Um, yeah. Uh, I was watching Looney Tunes again late last night, mm-hmm. and uh. There was an episode with Foghorn Leghorn in space. <laughs> I had yeah. no idea that there was ever an episode with Foghorn Leghorn in space. Did he claim the moon for the south? <laughs> he might have. I was so entranced by the visual of just seeing this rooster on, like, you know, the the best TV rooster. Uh, because I, I actually went yeah. back and looked at those cockadoodle do ones yeah or rockadoodle do excuse me cockadoodle do rockadoodle do ones and um i still think that foghorn leghorn hasn't beat subpar rooster animated roosters well no they're not subpar they're actually beautiful they're gorgeous (laughs) roosters but i mean foghorn leghorn man Uh, the dude's got got it all the the pack he knows everything he knows about baseball uh, blowing things up. Um, huh. He knows about dogs and chicken hawks. And, wow. uh, you know, he I mean, he's just a real just master of it all. And th- uh, those ones from Rockadoodle, they look really great. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm going to have to watch that movie again, I guess. And, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen it. I was just looking it up and Eddie Deason is in it. He's the Who's nerd from, um, oh, what's that totally great movie? Midnight Madness. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. With Michael J. Fox. And he delivers hmm. the amazing line. He says, 
hug me. And for some reason, it makes me <laughs> die laughing every time. You should watch Midnight Madness. It's yeah, I was going to say, I've never seen, never <clears throat> seen that one. It's never a good one. one. Yeah, um, Eddie Deason's a, a great nerd character actor. There was a few of those in the 80s, you know. That's, I like that wording right there, nerd character actor. Oh, yeah. They're like, we need a nerd. Who are we going to get? So, usually Eddie Deason. He's good. It's a good Is dork. it spelled like Mr. Deason from the high school? No, or it's it? D-E-E-Z-E-N. Okay. Pretty cool name. If he had a different head and face and voice, he probably would have been a pretty cool actor. <laughs> what if he was Eddie from Iron Maiden? Eddie Deason. Like, might what be. If, like, it might be. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the, all the movies you've seen him in, he's just wearing makeup to cover it all oh up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I don't know. Like, wow. that would be the most terrifying thing. He takes his makeup off and he's Eddie. <laughs> I'd be more terrified if Eddie took his makeup off and he was Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would God. be. Yeah, yeah, that's actually, my movie recommendation for this week is Midnight Madness from 1980. It's so good. Huh, it's kind I'm gonna of have bad, to... but it's pretty good. I mean, <laughs> Michael J. Fox is so good. Like, the other day, I just started Back to the Future 2 as, like, a joke almost, and I watched mm-hmm. the whole damn thing. I was up to, like, 3 in the morning. <laughs> well, I just couldn't turn f- it off. It's so good. Well, all three Back to the Futures, I would say, like... There was a time when in, I would say, particularly the 80s, even kind of went into like the 90s where, uh, you know, these these movies had sequels that were just as good as the first one. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe not as good as the first one. I think Back to the Future yeah. qualifies. All three of those movies are just classic. And then I would also say Ghostbusters. Like both of both of those movies, I love uh, the Alien yeah, trilogy. Ghostbusters too. Um, yeah, yeah. Ghostbusters two is great, and then of course you got well, I mean the ultimate one, which is the Star Wars trilogy. You yeah. know, but like, there's it's Back to the Future, man. What that yeah. that is just such a great movie franchise. It really is. It's much better than like Ghoulies. <laughs> Ghoulies actually, Ghoulies <laughs> I, four is. Um, pretty good if you ever have the chance pretty good i i've never had the chance um, but maybe i will actually it's really good it's one of it's like a really solid um goofy ass puppet horror movie but then mm-hmm. in the middle for some reason they just turn it into like soft core for like i don't know 20 minutes or so <laughs> and it kind of ruins it because you can't really tell other people to to watch it they think, all right they think you're weird you know, is, now is that just the fourth movie you're talking about? Yeah, I don't think there's much nudity in the first three. Okay. Yeah. Um, they just got bored with like the whole thing, and they're just like, you know what? Actually, no, it's Ghoulies three. New... Sorry, that I'm it's talking three, about. Okay. We need to appeal. Ghoulies to a... go to Ghoulies go to college. Yeah. Like I could just imagine do. like the director being like, now for a new demographic. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to get all new people into the ghoulies this time. Yeah, every single person no. you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. at the late night shops. <laughs> the late night shops. Where are those? Well, don't you, do you remember? 
Jeez. I'm scared. I don't know. Let, let's talk about records. I Because if, I, if <laughs> okay. I get into a conversation about the late night shops. Oh, my God. We All won't right. be able to get to the records. All right. We'll have to come back to it. Yeah, we'll come back to it. Bonus right. content. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So who was first? You are first, right? No, no. I, I was first last time. Oh, I'm first. Okay. Yes, you're first. Oh, number one. Number Which, one. Well, number one with a bullet. Number one. Um, I'm going to go with a record called The Real Kids. It's self-titled. It came out in 1977. And I'm always on the lookout for what I consider to be sort of a missing link in rock music, which was sort of like rock and roll and glam and that turning into punk rock or going a different direction or whatever. Like, I really like that, the crossroads of glam. And so this sort of scratched that itch for me a little bit. Uh, The Real Kids are from Boston. They were started by John Felice, who played, I think, guitar for the Modern Lovers. He wasn't on the first Modern Lovers record, but he was their bass or bass or guitar player before they recorded. Um, so yeah, this is like early proto punk, I would say is an okay descriptor, but it's a lot closer to like the New York dolls than the stooges. It's like kind of, it is sort of like this moment where a few things came together, which would be glam punk rock, and then what I would consider pub rock or just like rock and roll music. Um, and then also, I don't know, a little bit of pop too. So yeah, there's a little bit of, um, kind of big star or cheap trick melodies in places. Um, but for the most part, this is something to me, it's poppier than say like Richard hell, but it's a little more aggressive than say cheap trick or the New York dolls. Um, and stuff like that. Uh, I would say if you like this kind of stuff, if you're really into the dolls, the stooges, um, Eddie and the hot rods, things that are sort of take up this, maybe even the damned, uh, and yeah, things like that to an extent, like before punk rock became punk rock. Um, an interesting side note is this band sort of fell apart after this record came out. And John Felice became a roadie for the Ramones. So that's cool. It shows that he was at least aware of punk rock, even though it's not fully on display here. But I think the songs are really good for the most part. They do show a lot of that middle ground of what would become punk rock. 50s style rock and roll played more aggressively. Um, There are some goofy ass songs, you know, anytime you're playing rock and roll and you're really going for it, I think that can be kind of goofy, um, or corny or whatever. Um, a couple of the songs do have sort of offensive, um, slurs. And I think that was just kind of, uh, the time that it came out in. I'm not justifying it by any means, but I, I just think it's a lot more common. You listen to things like fear, And there's all kinds of slurs in there, too. But um, for the most part, yeah, it's just kind of really, I thought, really good rock and roll, proto-punk, almost uh, 
early ideas of of pop punk too they cover a buddy holly song which covering a 50s song especially a buddy holly song became sort of a standard um in rock in punk rock and pop punk especially so i don't know if you're into that stuff that was if you want to talk about the origins of punk at ground zero i think this is one of those things that was right there so yeah what'd you think dan yeah this uh this was everything you said about it i couldn't have said any better because it it instantly when i heard the first song you know i heard the stooges i heard Mm -hmm. the mc5 and i also heard uh you know Mm t-rex and uh exile on main street rolling stones kind of Mm -hmm. sort of and definitely the early like pop punk that you're talking about and lot there's a lot of the songs i think are about just like you said kind of goofy kind of seem to be about maybe drugs and getting laid Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh glam rock definitely hear the new york dolls but Mm -hmm. it's really good stuff yeah i was i i definitely picked up on the uh slurs you were talking about um i guess yeah like you said it just uh, I guess it just came out at a much more politically incorrect time um, yeah. where, you know, unfortunately that kind of stuff was a little more acceptable than it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but it's still really great. Just American rock and roll or is, are they American? Yeah. They're from Boston. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Actually that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. because I heard like, I figured it was either an East Coast thing mm-hmm. or a Detroit thing, one of the right. two. Um, but yeah, uh, just really good rock and roll. And it just sounds like um, if you were around to see them live, you probably would have been covered in beer by the time, yeah. you know, the show was over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was it was really good stuff. There were a couple of songs, which I can't recall mm-hmm. the titles of that I really, really liked. Yeah, there's quite some really a, great melodies on there too. Yeah, so. I mean it. It's even like, I I could see like replacements maybe being sure. somewhat influenced by these guys. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, I I think what year did this come out? Seventy seven. So seventy seven. So that was actually, let's yeah. So he he went on to become a roadie for the Ramones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this re- this band as it was, kind of fell apart, right when this came out. So sure. And 77, that was when mm-hmm. the first Ramones record right. came out too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, and the yeah. first cheap trick record. And so and cheap trick. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh uh, yeah. No. And I definitely heard all of that, but it definitely had its own thing going on, which was really fantastic. Yeah. So it's interesting that this, this record came out because this was, that sounds like, you know, all the proto-punk that you talk mm-hmm. about, the MC5 and the Stooges. But it came out at the same time that, like, punk rock as we now know it mm-hmm. was just in its infancy. Right, yeah. This was probably kind of... Um, this was probably, like, the la- last death rattle of this sort of hard-edged um, pub rock, kind of, yeah, beer-soaked rock and roll kind of thing sure. before it became crystallized right through the sound of the ramones and the look of richard hell so sure yeah sure yeah but it, as a time capsule i think it's cool and it i don't know if anyone else is interested in this kind of stuff i don't think anyone is but also 
the lineage of something like this, say, to Faster Pussycat or L.A. Guns or Poison or something like that. Definitely. Which I love all that stuff. Yes. Um, And Motley Crue, early Motley Crue. Yep. Like, I think this could easily be a stepping stone to that, too. I think that was sort of another separation when you get out to L.A. early 80s. I, I don't think they were doing much different than what the Dolls were doing. No, and, not at all. In mm. fact, um, if if you watch any documentary with Motley Crue, mm-hmm. because they were kind of Motley Crue was kind of, I would say, sort of the first '80s glam metal band. Yeah, I mean, I I, I agree I with s- that because I they say they're, yeah, Van Halen I mean, might have been first, but they weren't exactly metal either. No, and they they kind of they were. They predated yeah. like the eighties. Mm-hmm. So Motley Crue, I would say, was like the first like disgusting human beings <laughs> playing, you know, that you don't want your daughters to mm-hmm. go backstage and meet. Right. Uh, you know, uh, just you know, horrible people playing, you know, really raunchy like rock and roll, but mm-hmm. dressing up like Satan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> like, you know, it's like uh too fast for love i didn't realize how old that record i thought yeah. that, that came out in like 87 oh it's such no, a good record came out in like 82 yeah or something like that and it was like the first that it really i i think molly crew kind of jump-started that but mm-hmm. you go back and you watch documentaries with molly crew or really any member of an 80s glam metal band mm-hmm. they always cite almost always cite the New York Dolls as, like, the main influence. Absolutely. I don't think they were doing much different than that. Like, it was just... No, they really weren't. And especially, and I I just really like this band, too, but Faster Pussycat, especially musically, I mean, it's just rock and roll. Like... Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I think that's cool. I think that, um, it would have been cool if other glam bands wouldn't have been so shitty that we have to... Uh, throw the entire genre in the trash you know right right (laughs) but you almost do and that's fine too like sure whatever i'm not i don't have to sit around defending faster pussycat my whole life but no um, (laughs) yeah there is some good stuff out there if you want to dig that's all (laughs) no absolutely absolutely um yeah all right so um i'm going to talk my the first one i'm going to talk about Mm -hmm. is the self-titled album from this group called Beak. Mm-hmm. And it it's actually Beak with like that bigger, smaller symbol mm-hmm. to the left. And I don't know what, do you know what that's called? I, by think, any chance? I think greater than points so it's, to the right, like away from yes, the word Beak. You're right. You're right. I think. Hold on a second. No, I'm I'm looking at it, and it looks to me like the greater than points to beak. Oh, okay. All right. I, so less. At than. least, at least in this thing that I'm looking at, <laughs> this thing could have gotten it wrong. But am I? Am I? Maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know. Don't listen to me, guys. Um. <laughs> anyway, so beak. But what is is that symbol just called the greater than symbol? Yeah. So, yeah, that's okay. the greater than. So, beak greater than? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, doubt I think it's just that's supposed what... to look like a beak, maybe. So. Oh, 
Never thought of that. Yeah. Beak. That's a really, really good point. Uh, so anyway, um, Beak, ladies and gentlemen, first and foremost, I've got to ask you, Eric, have you ever heard yes. of this? Uh, okay, you have. Okay. Because. No, I've never heard of this before you picked it. No. Oh, you seriously never have? Nope. Like, mm-hmm. okay. And this is such a coincidence because I had been listening to this record off and on for a few years now mm. because it came out on Ipecac. And uh, I just revisited it not too long ago. And I come to find out that Jeff Barrow from uh, Portishead hmm. is like the main guy behind it. Nice. Did you know that? Not until you picked it and I sort of looked into it a little bit. Yeah. And not only that, but there's also <clears throat> a guy from Massive Attack, Bill Fuller. Hmm. Billy Fuller. So it's like this side project kind of of all these trip hop sort of mm-hmm. i guess legends for lack of a better term uh yeah or i guess a better word would be just musicians <laughs> <laughs> but um anyway but you know you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like a lot of people really look up to these guys you know in the trip hop world and whatnot that being said this record is almost the furthest thing from trip hop it's really um I mean, it's got elements of both of those bands, maybe, Hmm. Um, just maybe a tad bit. But really what I think this record, to me anyway, is kind of rooted in is a lot of Krautrock, psychedelic, and maybe even a little bit of like stoner rock, doom type stuff. Hmm. Um, I hear a lot of can kind of going on in the... uh, you know, some of the repetition in some of the tracks. There's also some really nice chanting that kind of goes on that I think really fits really well with the whole aesthetic. Uh, but then I also hear some some weird, almost like electronic, synthy, psychedelic type stuff, which actually puts me in mind of like wet hair and a lot of the night mm. people stuff mm-hmm. that Sean used to put out. Um, and, uh, then I also hear elements of something like ohm or sleep or, uh, you know, there's one song in particular that has, um, just a really driving crunchy bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just playing this like, um, progression on a synthesizer and it just sounds freaking awesome and i love the drums one of the things that i found interesting and i didn't know this until looking into it uh when i picked this last week uh is that most if not all of this record was pretty much improvised and you can kind of tell that there's a lot of just sort of sounding like they're jamming kind of going on And I guess they kind of went into this project with that idea. They kind of just wanted to do something that was, you know, just sort of on the spot, loose. You know, they both had been in groups I'd imagine, Portishead and um, Massive Attack, where they really focused on, you know, some of the structures within those songs a lot more than like this, this project, I would, I would suspect. And... 
it really sounds like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, <clears throat> I guess there's a little bit of editing that happened after the recording, but you know, that barely counts, you know, and it's just, I just think it's a really, really, uh, interesting record. Um, I've always liked it. And, uh, yeah. What did you think, Eric? Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I really liked it a lot. Uh, yeah, it's very, very Krautrock. I mean, just 100%. Like, if someone told me these were can outtakes, I would just be like, oh, yeah, cool, great. Like, but it's awesome. I love the way it's presented. I love the way it's done. There's elements of no wave stuff in there, too, like Section 25 or Tuxedo Moon or a lot of that stuff that has a lot of bass up front in sure. the mix. Um But yeah, it is just a lot of can, harmonia, cluster. I mean, all the, all that stuff. Lots of not really big fat synth sounds, but more like those sort of organ sounds you would have heard in the Krautrock stuff. And I think that's cool. And um, I didn't actually know it was all recorded live, but in my notes I wrote, it seems like improvisation at points especially with the vocals so i picked up on the fact that this was being created in real time so um i i would say it comes through you know pretty clearly but it also makes it really interesting i like i like things that are subdued on one hand and then completely out of control on the other you know like this stuff is mellow but it could go off the rails instantly because they don't know what they're playing. And that, that adds an element of excitement to it. Um, it's really repetitive, as it should be. It's perfect for that. It's drony. Um, it has a lot of movement, though. And honestly, the drums and the vocals are so can-like that I can't quite get away from it. But I don't really want to. I love can, and I love the idea of hearing new things that sound sort of like that are, are like heavily influenced by it. So, um, yeah, this was a big surprise to me. I hadn't heard of it. Uh, hadn't heard it. Um, all I did was look at the sort of about at the bottom of the Spotify thing. And it said, uh, member of Portishead was in it. And I was like, Oh, okay. And that's kind of all the research I did. Cause I didn't want to know too much about it. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. Like, if you like any of the Krautrock stuff, even, you know, some elements of Hawkwind or whatever, but definitely Can and uh, Cluster. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. And I will definitely be returning to it. Did they have another record out too? Or just the one? They have, they actually have four records oh, total out okay um i guess you can be the, prolific when you don't have to write anything <laughs> yeah well the the sec i'm not quite sure but the second record has sounds like maybe there was a little more studio stuff kind oh, okay. of maybe going on but i don't really know gotcha um also all of their albums have like kind of like variant versions of st- some songs hmm. that were on the first mm-hmm. record. Oh, okay. And then, you know what I mean? So they kind of do, like, they, they do new so- new versions. I see. Uh, but then they also do completely new songs, which I think is really cool. Yeah, that's cool. Like, so maybe they kind of, like, view it as, like, I don't know. Like, 
I guess if I was doing a project kind of like this, I'd be like, all right, well, these songs can be kind of considered like a continuous mm-hmm. work, right. you know, or something like that. Maybe that's, maybe that's the thing or I don't know. Yeah. It, it, but every single thing I've listened to, uh, their third album was actually a soundtrack to a film. Okay. And cool. it's really cool stuff. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't all like every album I've listened to doesn't really sound too different. It doesn't, you know, right. go too far it doesn't drift too far away from this first album so if you like the first album i think you'll like all the rest of the stuff nice yeah i loved it so i'll be checking it out cool cool yeah all right and i do have to say while we're talking about the the greater than symbol uh i know that soul coughing probably isn't that cool to most people these days but i always really liked them and one of my favorite lyrics from them, and in turn, one of my favorite lyrics in a song, is uh, her knees thrust in one direction like a symbol of math, a symbol meaning greater than. Ooh. Yeah. That's, um, I always thought it was just really smart. Hold on. Let me guess what song that is. Is it off of Ruby Vroom? Uh, I think it is. Oh, snap. What is that? Is it on? Is it that? soft serve song that's what i was i I was thinking it was either soft serve or sugar-free jazz one of the yeah i don't remember the exact song (laughs) soft soft serve i think i think it is soft because that's the second second song off of irresistible bliss it's a great record talk about a band that really carved their own lane for a while yeah like man, I wish, really... I wish I wish they wouldn't have rapped so much. That's all I can say. Yeah, yeah ev- you know, there's songs that just kill, like "True Dreams of Wichita" or whatever. Oh god! And then Janine? just in the middle, it just like starts rapping, and I'm like, oh no, now I can't play this for anyone else. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely an element of just sort of. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there was definitely a, a. Well, that's what the element was. Right. Uh, no, but uh, no, uh, but really there was, yeah, phlegm. There was an element of phlegm, but no, there definitely was an element of sort of cheesy, sort of like bluesy rap, I guess, or yeah, something. Yeah, it was that, very of the time, you know. Yeah, what very, can you do very, about it? it was something that <clears throat> only Beck was able to make timeless, I feel. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that to an extent. I mean, I can't think of anyone else offhand, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's a hard thing. I mean, we talked about that with Portishead with the scratching. You know, it's like you can't go back and take it out, but I don't know. It'd be a lot more timeless if you could. <laughs> you know? Definitely. So. But for some reason, Beck, Odelay, mm-hmm. and Mellow Gold both sound just as fresh today as I yeah. think they did back in the 90s. I think so, too. Maybe it was that it, the, the irreverence of it all, you know, like. He wasn't taking it seriously, so we didn't have to either, you know, or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that was clear at the end of the song Hot Wax, where he's like, um, who are you? I'm the enchanting wizard of rhythm. <laughs> I came to tell you about the rhythms of the universe. <laughs> Duh. Oh, my God. That was such a funny record. Yeah. Um, hmm. I like these All little right. mini reviews we're giving in the in between. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's pretty like, cool. I really actually would recommend, though, like, in all honesty, uh, before Beck became sad, um, 
everything that he did in the 90s mm-hmm. to me was just stellar even the bad stuff mm-hmm. even the bad stuff was great yeah because it was so unapologetically like just i guess not caring at all yeah it was just so unapologetically like ridiculous to the point where it just you could you could relate to it Mm -hmm. like in ways that i feel like i've tried to be that i guess fucked up for a way to like Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term and it's just there's something that back achieved Mm -hmm. doing that kind of thing anyway i'm going on yeah no that's why i've been a juggalo all these years (laughs) yeah yeah icp just got me in a way that no other music ever has i mean i just related with it just right out of the gate i was like you know i i like soda and murder and clowns did you ever go to the uh gathering (laughs) no no i never have been so lucky (laughs) There is a fantastic uh, documentary mini doc of Danny Brown. Oh yeah, going to the gathering. Oh, he was invited to play, hmm. and it is fantastic. All right, he's I will sitting check there. That out. <laughs> he is sitting there backstage, and he's all like, he starts listing off all of the Fago pops. Yeah, he's all like, you know, like because they got some really interesting mm-hmm. names. What is it? Um, oh geez, uh, cream soda. <laughs> Uh, he's like, uh, what, what's the, there's so many other ones, uh, rock and rye, you know, and he, he's saying it just like that. He's all like, I love soda. That stuff is really, really good. And then, you know, he gets on stage like two minutes later and he's just killing it. And then he's all like riding around on a golf cart, like around, you know, like the juggalos. And there's actually a lot of documentaries about the gathering yeah, of the juggalos <laughs> that are just like they're fantastic and and honestly like and i'm not kidding it actually did heighten my respect level for like icp like in a way that i never i mean because in high school like i didn't really i didn't look at them as like you know what you, you know i don't know i looked at them in a completely different way than i do now you know what i yeah. mean I agree. I I think they just. I mean, they're they're goofy, and they're fairly offensive. And the fact that they came out with a song years and years later, professing that the whole thing had been about them being Christians and trying to save people by being yeah. offensive, kind of. Uh, I don't know. I I didn't really like that, but uh, they they have worked really hard for it. They had a a vision and they worked to make it a reality and well no one can really take that away from them you know and if nothing else the story of them getting dropped by disney Hmm. on the first did you hear about that no Mm -mm. so their their big album the great malenko oh yeah Mm -hmm. yeah they got signed to disney records Hmm. and because just on the idea that they were clowns like, and they put out the great Malenko and Disney's like, holy shit, we're not putting this out in stores. <laughs> so the record got pulled and they made the news because of that. And that's what started essentially the juggalo culture that we know now. Hmm. 
that I mean that that was what really thrust them into the limelight. Yeah, I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that whole story. Cool. Um, yeah, and they started out as just a gangster rap band. Like mm. that, their first album sounded like Ice T. Yeah, and then they they started with the horrorcore later. Yeah, I didn't get in, into them until Riddlebox. In 1995 Riddle, or so. Riddlebox is actually a damn... It's pretty cool. I I don't really think people... The people who just bash ICP, mm-hmm. I don't think they've ever really actually listened to them. No. I mean, there is a lot to bash. I mean, there... There is. is. No, no, no. And, but and it's more, deservedly so. But musically, they're, I don't know, they're pretty cool. I think they're cool. But I, I, think, I think the stuff to bash is more about like the people maybe who the culture more so than the actual yeah music itself yeah it's but even then it's like i don't know like one of the things that i kind of enjoyed about watching those documentaries was these were just people who were just like out there most mostly i think Mm -hmm. obviously there's some really terrible people in any situation where there's big groups that you want to stay away from but like they just kind of seemed like they were just there to kind of have a good time for a weekend. Yeah. Not to mention too, that ICP has really good taste in hip hop. I mean, they had everybody from cool Keith to KRS one mm-hmm. play that thing. Yeah. And so it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. And they, uh, hell cannibal corpse played it. <laughs> yeah. If uh, I ever get too uh, down on them. I just pretend it's Jason Muse from Jay and Silent Bob and Guy Fieri, <laughs> <laughs> and then everything's fine. He, uh, well, what about the singer of Smash Mouth? <laughs> yeah, I guess they're all the same, right? Yeah, and you've yeah. never seen them all no. in the same area. That's true. I used uh, to think that it's like a, just a um, list of my greatest heroes, right there. I used to think that uh, the other guy, because that's we're talking about Violent J, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Shaggy Two Dope. Yeah, Shaggy I used to think. I used to think that Shaggy Two Dope looked like a uh, friend of mine, and uh, he. And then uh, he, the dad, I with, saw him. the friend with the biker dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then he, then I actually saw him without the makeup, <clears throat> and I'm like, yeah, uh, he doesn't look anything oh, like him. Well, <laughs> it's, lucky it's amazing for your what friend. makeup can do. Yeah, exactly. So anyway. this podcast is now going to be about ICP. We've decided to just stop reviewing records. Neither of us know shit about ICP or even yeah. really listen to them. We're just going to tell yeah. you the history I'm not, through our perspective. Yeah, I'm not really a juggalo. That was a lie. So, Yeah, well, maybe I was going <laughs> to. You weren't supposed to tell them, Eric. We're, you know, I want people to be like, dude, this is really weird. These guys are into like Portishead, Beak. And ICP. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Although I was being honest about liking, especially Riddlebox. It was a great record. And yeah, it really Great is. Malenko was good, too. Speaking of great records, we should move on. Oh, my God. Yeah, we really this should. Is too much. So my second choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to laugh. Is a group called O Children. Just the letter O and then Children. Um, this is a, their self-titled record. Came out in 2010. Oh, Children, the name of the band, is a um, reference to a Nick Cave song, also called Oh, Children. So that makes sense. Um, Oh, Children is a London-based, for lack of a better term, I would say neo-goth. I think that 
is a pretentious and stupid sounding label, but that's all I could really come up with because it really is. It's like updated goth. It's um, it's a combination of a few things. It's like Joy Division. Uh, it's especially with um, the guitars. They have a lot of twangy guitars and a lot of strummed acoustics. Um, so a lot like the Church or Echo and the Bunnymen. Um, a lot like other neo goth kind of groups like She Wants Revenge. Um, not quite as slick and new wavy as She Wants Revenge. But um, yeah, so this is really gothy. It's really atmospheric. Um, the singer's name is Toby, and he uh, has a very deep baritone voice. Um, it reminds me of Orville Peck. It reminds me of Ian Curtis. Um, it reminds me of Nick Cave, which makes sense. Um, I would say his enunciation is really similar to Nick Cave. Um but yeah, it's twangy and it's gothy. I mean, it is an amalgamation of all the goth that's kind of come before. Sisters of Mercy is in there, The Cure, um, all kinds of stuff. But it's done in a way that if you've never listened to that stuff, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that this was like a ripoff or wasn't good on its own. Um, I think the songs are really cool. Again, the lead singer's voice is really cool. Um the synthesizers are cool. A lot of um, string and swelling pad kind of synth sounds. Um, it is really dark, but I would say that it's not really like violent or death obsessed. So it's a little different than some avenues that goth goes down. Um, and yeah, I think that it is just poppy enough that you could actually put it on and enjoy it drive around listening to it um i know when i say goth it probably conveys this idea of, of it just being sad but it's not there's a lot of other things going on here um no wave punk rock synth pop i mean there's elements of gary newman in this it's 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 really just you know uh younger people who found all these older groups and styles intriguing and kind of put it all together um, but I think it's a fun listen. I think they're, they, as far as I know, they only have two records and the one after this is super good too. So, um, a lot of fun if you like really deep voiced goth music. So <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Yeah. I mean, this was, um, the baritone, mm -hmm. um, is just so deep to like, almost like, you know, uh, crazy levels yeah. like i think he might have the deepest baritone i've ever heard yeah it's <laughs> like, like it's on just... par with peter Steele from typo yeah that's that's exactly yeah. who i was gonna actually compare oh, it to sorry <laughs> to me no 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 that, that's that's fine because that that's great that you said mm -hmm. that because that's exactly who i thought that this this and the guy from the crash test dummy. oh sure yeah he's got a even deep though one. the crash test dummy obviously was not goth in any way whatsoever right. But that that tone of voice mm -hmm. and yeah, the songs were just really, really gloomy sounding. But like you said, there seemed to be like, uh, yeah, there definitely was some sadness on mm -hmm. this record for sure. 
like maybe there's a couple of songs that sounded like he was singing about a breakup or something Mm -hmm. maybe but yeah there also seemed to be uh, some glimmer of hope Mm -hmm. in some of those lyrics or at least at least like kind of trying to look up from you know what i mean it wasn't Mm -hmm. all like oh i'm gonna slit my wrist or whatever you know what i mean that sort of thing But it was definitely a very gloomy. Re- it wasn't like the early Cure records, mm-hmm. um, you know, or something like that. Where right, more like disintegration, y- probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if you're going to compare it to that, I also definitely heard some Bajas mm-hmm. going on in here. Yeah. Um, Glenn Danzig in the vocals as yeah, well, a little bit. I can see that. Definitely like a, you know, like a really just amazing gorgeous record mm-hmm. i would say like production wise like the the uh instrumentation it was just perfect for what was going mm-hmm. on the nick cave thing that makes total sense mm-hmm. um yeah if you're into like if you're into all that stuff joy division the cure typo negative mm-hmm. um i mean i would even say yeah like you said the damned mm-hmm. um I would even say maybe to a certain extent, like stuff like Interpol, like oh, if you're sure. talking yeah. more of a modern mm-hmm. sort of comparison, um, this, this is the record for you or him, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. Kind of, I mean, the guy from him doesn't really have the deep voice, right. but I heard a little bit of that sort of sound in the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, very gorgeous. Um, also, maybe a little bit of like something like Echo and the Bunny yeah. Men going on in the production. Totally, too. Yep. It's just all kinds of stuff. This this almost just sounded to me like a greatest hits of like just goth, right? <laughs> you know, like 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 basically like they were just like let's make a record that pays homage to all of our favorite bands that right. sound like this genre, but not in a cheesy way mm-hmm. or not even in a way where it's like we're gonna just totally rip these guys off. Yeah. It was like. No, it sounds like Oh Children, right. but it sounds like these guys have done their homework right. in the genre, I think too. so, too. And thank goodness that it doesn't sound like it. Because although I love goth music, some of the bands that have a really cool sound, I think their songs kind of suck. Like, I don't want to get in a fight with anyone, but like London After Midnight or Sisters of Mercy... Christian death for the most part. I know that only theater of pain is untouchable and that's fine. But um, (laughs) a lot of the songs are just not very well-written songs, you know? And I think with this, they are like, these are good songs. I think you can sing along and have fun with them. So sure. Yeah. Sure. Fantastic. Fantastic stuff. I really like this pick. Nice. Um, okay. So my, uh, last pick is, uh, a record from Rancid called Life Won't Wait. And I am a huge Rancid fan. Always have been since I was probably 12 years old. Because mm-hmm. basically I credit Rancid with getting me into punk rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I I guess I was listening to Green Day before Rancid. And I would also credit Green Day, but... Rancid was really the first time that I saw guys that looked like Rocksteady and Bebop from the Ninja Turtles <laughs> playing like real, like, or, you know, much more, I get, I shouldn't even say real. I hate using mm-hmm. that word, but 
aggressive, mm-hmm. more aggressive punk rock than Green Day, even though Rancid has always retained this amazing sense of melody mm-hmm. um, and harmony through their records. Um, this record is just, to me, a, a fantastic record. It's very kind of, it's, first of all, one thing that really makes it stand out in the rancid catalog is that it is the only record from rancid that doesn't have any production whatsoever from brett gerwitz hmm. of bad religion because hmm. he pretty much produced at least one song on every other rancid record so this record was completely self-produced by lars Fredrickson and tim armstrong and what they did which i think is really cool is they split the recording between uh, California, I think Los, yeah, Los Angeles. Uh, and they also recorded some stuff in New York city and new Orleans and in Jamaica, which doesn't surprise me because there's a huge reggae influence on this record. Mm -hmm. Like it's undeniable. And what I really like about it is they really, it kind of explore, um, the roots of their reggae influences on this record a lot more than like, say on an outcome, the wolves like with time bomb or which is a great song, Mm -hmm. but the first two rancid records really had nothing to do with ska. The the first self-titled and the second one, let's go. Mm -hmm. We're both just pretty much gutter, like gutter punk, but like with a, almost like i don't want to say pop but just a melodic mm-hmm. sensibility about them you know mm-hmm. um songs like salvation uh and i think maybe that had to do with the fact that tim and brett probably kind of wanted to get away from their identity they had with operation ivy for a little bit mm-hmm. um and focus on just you know punk and then of without outcome the wolves which was a monster of an album too time bomb kind of revisited their roots in ska but with life won't wait um they actually recruit like actual reggae artists to collaborate with them Mm -hmm. like on the title track um the uh reggae artist now i might sabotage the pronunciation here but boohoo banton i think Mm. or buju banton um who i I, I'm not sure who that is. Do you know who that is, Eric? No. And um, there's just a lot of really great songs on this record and a lot of really great production. And it really, it sounds like the places where they're recording. There's parts that sound like New Orleans. There's parts that sound like New York, parts that sound like LA, parts that sound like Jamaica. And so it definitely has a resemblance to something like London Calling or even Sandinista. Uh, you know, the Clash comparisons. I mean, I I wouldn't compare Rancid to the Clash, but the the influences are definitely inevitable. Um, there's definitely some of the gutter punk, sort of the heaviness going on, like songs like Blood Clot and 1998, which is one of, I think, is one of the, most underrated rancid songs mm-hmm. or just even punk rock songs in general. But there's also moments of just pure gorgeousness and beauty on this record. Mm-hmm. Like who would have thought is just a straight mm-hmm. up like love song 
that sounds like it could have been like a Tom Waits song had it been slowed down a little bit, played on piano. And I mean, you can't really say like, oh, uh, uh, more gravelly voice because Tim Armstrong already has the gravelly voice, (laughs) (laughs) you know? So, I mean, you can't really like say that. But then you got like just really great melodic like ska songs like Hooligans. Mm -hmm. And then you got songs that sound like, I don't know, like they almost tread on like almost like, I don't know, like Bob Dylan or Neil Young with like more speed and distortion or something Mm -hmm. like the wolf Mm -hmm. or like there's definitely like an undeniable, like kind of almost like blues influence going on and rockabilly influence Mm -hmm. and all types of things like on this record. I feel like this is the one record where they just kind of needed to get kind of out of their system. Mm -hmm. Maybe, which actually I would say this record and I would also put an outcome, the wolves before Mm -hmm. this, And then the record that followed this, which is the second self-titled record, also known as Rancid 5 or Rancid 2000, Mm -hmm. which was a straight-up hardcore record. Like, they went from, like, this to, like, straight-up hardcore for, like, one record. Those are the two records where it just felt like Rancid just needed to get some stuff off their Mm -hmm. chest. And this, there's also a lot of, like political type stuff on this record so there Mm -hmm. there goes the clash influence again um lady liberty i mean that's straight up just like almost like 60s soul music or something it's just utterly fantastic this entire record it just i remember the first time i heard it i just and you know i heard this way before i heard the clash Mm -hmm. besides rock the cash and should I stay or should mm-hmm. I go? And all of the London calling, you know, all of the hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never actually listened to London calling or Sandinista till well after high school. But so this was the first time I heard punk rock in those types of areas. Like this is the first time I kind of figured out that, okay, so the ska thing does make a lot more sense because basically ska is, reggae chords sped up Mm -hmm. you know with horns you know and so there is a connection between bob marley and i don't know minor threat you Mm -hmm. know (laughs) or something like that and you know i just i feel like a lot of their peers couldn't even touch a record like this oh yeah um i i love this record what did you think Eric? yeah i love this record too um i was not a rancid fan during the time that a lot all that this was happening um like i had heard maybe like time bomb and ruby soho you know um because those were popular songs but i didn't actually hear this until probably about the year 2001 um i was introduced to it by Ben Driscoll and Brooks Strauss. Um, they -hmm. were starting a band and they were like, Oh, we kind of wanted to sound like this, but like rock and roll or whatever too. And so, um, that ended up being the heart attacks, which, um, I would think you would be hard pressed to hear rancid in the heart attacks music. Um, but regardless, uh, this is one of the things they played for me. And also my wife, Sarah was 
really into Rancid all through high school and loved this album. So I kind of came to the party late, but um, I think that sort of helped me because I didn't have any like nostalgic element to it. I didn't have memories of high school or whatever associated with these songs. So I just kind of got to hear them as songs, as the songs they are, you know? And um, this record's amazing. I mean, and Out Come the Wolves is amazing too. Like, I sort of feel like both of these records are so long and have so many songs that they could have just like turned those two records into four records and had one of, and still had one of the best punk rock discographies of all time. You know, they could have just like, I can't believe they fit all of this on Life Won't Wait. It's like, it's beyond a greatest hits, you know, and how come the woods is the same way. It's like both of these Absolutely. somehow are like two greatest, two rancid greatest hits, volume one and two essentially is how it feels to me. And no, it's amazing. Uh, the songs are so cool. Just like you said, from the sound of hooligans to yeah. Who would have thought like, they're covering so much ground here and so much of it's like really cool too, though, you know, like there is a lot of ska and there is a lot of punk rock and there's a lot of rockabilly, especially with um, Tim's guitar playing and stuff. And none of it comes off as phoned in or fake or a money grab or trying to be cool. Like it all feels really legit and i think that's why rancid was and is such a popular band is like at no point do i feel like they're phoning this in or it's fake or this is an image or whatever like i just feel like this is their their life you know and and they're just recording songs about it and it went on i didn't i didn't personally care that much for the second self-titled one I saw. I thought of it sort of as a step backwards after Life Won't Wait, but maybe they felt like after being so melodic, they needed to sort of prove to themselves that they could still, you know, be aggressive and, and I don't know, guttery, you know? Um, yeah. But then even like by the time Indestructible comes out, still awesome, still amazing. And Oh, yeah. So I just feel like, Rancid's got to be just looked at as one of the best punk rock bands probably ever. I would hold their discography up to almost anyone and I think it would Definitely. be fine and they would, they would win, you know? So yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I love definitely. it. I, I think that this along with and outcome the wolves is them at their strongest and most unstoppable and most self-aware and self-realized and yeah, it's just an amazing record. So if I, yeah. I would even put um, let's go yeah. in that. Um, I mean, I think let's go is, a, is an amazing record and even the self, I mean, honestly for me, their first six records mm -hmm. are six of the best punk rock records ever yeah. made. Like to be honest, I mean, I, 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 I disagree with you mm -hmm. on the Rancid 2000, but I can definitely see that perspective right. on it because it was so unapologetically, first of all, like most of it, most of the songs were like under like a minute and a mm -hmm. half and they're 
on those songs, there really wasn't a lot of melody. Mm -hmm. But then you had a song like Let Me Go or Black Derby Jacket, where you could tell that they still were holding on to Mm -hmm. sort of like Life Won't Wait and Out Come the Wolves. And then Indestructible, to me, kind of felt like the culmination of everything they've done. That makes sense. And it's still a great, great record. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me... It's it's the trilogy. It's um, and now come the wolves. Life won't wait and rancid two thousand because those are the three most different sounding records. Mm-hmm. Like they all, they don't even sound almost like the same band at times. Yeah, you know, I like it's just so yeah. incredible. Like, yeah, I'm I'm so glad you said that because I I think rancid is just untouchable. Yeah. Like when it comes to like. A punk band that started in the '90s. Yeah, that for I mean, sure. It, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and I probably need to revisit Rancid 2000 anyway. I only listened to it a few times when it came out, and I was like, "Eh, not for me." Yeah, so. it it definitely is not. Like, I'm sure that there's there's some people that think it's probably their best record, mm. uh, because of those, and those are probably, you know, people who like hardcore punk, mm-hmm. and so they were blown away that they were doing something like that. This is the same band that did time bomb five years ago, you know, but then you got, there are probably those that didn't really like that record Mm -hmm. or, you know, because of that, because it's just maybe a little too stepping out of like their comfort zone. Right. Yeah. I should, Um, I'll revisit it. We can talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. At a later date. Let me know what you, let me know, let me know what you think of it. I'd be very interested in hearing, um, what your thoughts are after revisiting it. Did you ever listen to oh. common Rider? Just as a side note. No, it's, um, no, that other dude <laughs> from operation Ivy, <laughs> Jesse Michaels, uh, Jesse, the yeah. singer. Yeah. It's his group. Really? It's pretty cool. No, I never, well, the it. first record no. came out in like 99 last wave rockers. Uh, it's pretty good. I don't know. I mean, I remember it being good. I, I don't know. I should well, I should be I should be current with things before I suggest them, but I enjoyed I'm, it. I'm actually I'm actually going to make a very controversial statement. Um, I'm not nearly as into Operation Ivy as I am Ransom. Hmm. Like, and so that I still like it. I still I understand the importance of mm-hmm. it. I understand how how important and seminal operation ivy mm-hmm. is i would say they're way more important than rancid uh, when you when you talk about influence mm-hmm. you know um but i just i was not into it as much mm. as rancid and i don't know i get the same type of um i get the same type of response when i say that i like fagazi way more than i like minor threat yeah. you know i i get um, it but yeah. i mean but, you know, Operation Ivy had some great stuff, though. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, well, again, it's one of, just I, one record that's basically a greatest hits. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with Operation Ivy. I'm not saying I hate it. Mm-hmm. But I just, I think Rancid, when it comes to pure musicality, mm-hmm. just runs circles around. Oh, well, yeah, and I would agree with that. That's, and I would agree also, with the Fugazi also, thing, too. The same That's way. also very, very... um almost unfair of me to say though because operation ivy lasted only like a couple yeah, of years and they were as did and they minor were baby th- kids 
Exactly. <laughs> as did Minor Threat. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that say that there's a lot. I've, I've actually gotten like people like, you know, get really upset with me when I say wow. that. like it's it's so weird how defensive people get about even even if they're just not talking about pure musicality of mm-hmm. something, you know what I mean? Right. Well, um, it's hard to get people to talk about things devoid of their feelings, you know, exactly <laughs> because that's exactly. what we do. We associate our feelings and therefore sort of our personality with things. And so when you, you know, when you don't necessarily see eye to eye with someone, they take it personally. And that's, yep. I don't know. That's too bad because it's not <laughs> really like that. You know, no, not at all. And and I used to be that way mm-hmm. all the time. Like when I was 19 years old, if somebody tried to tell me that big black sucked mm-hmm. or something like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would. Just... And now you're like, yeah, they kind of do. But I like them. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know? No, actually, it is funny because I had a conversation with our mutual friend, uh, Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he actually I told him that I was really shocked that he was into big black as much as mm-hmm. he was because it is so non-musical mm-hmm. like on purpose right. like that's that's what albini was going for and normally as you know tim doesn't really like a lot mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff and so yeah and then yeah i listen to big black now and it's like yeah oh, yeah yeah this this is still pretty amazing <laughs> stuff but it definitely like i could see why right. people fucking didn't think it was the coolest thing right. in the world when I forced them to listen yeah, to it. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that's a good, it's a good thing to learn, you know, as you get older, but also it's a great thing not to know when you're young, like you should defend the things you love when you're young, like to the point of fighting about it. I mean, because it does sort of define you. It's what you, it's, the things that you've found in the world that you um, feel close to and feel like they do represent you a little bit. And it's sort of before you find those things within yourself. And so you kind of need external representations of who you are, you know? And I think that, yeah. I mean, when I was young, Oh my God, I would fight all the time about music. Like, and now I just I'm a little too agreeable. That's what I've heard from some people that listen to our podcast. They're like, "Are you guys ever going to mm-hmm. review something you don't like?" <laughs> so, but whatever, <laughs> you know, maybe sometime we will. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, who knows? But, I mean, I I'm probably the same fucking way. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's really been anything that I've said. Oh, I fucking hate this. Right. Well, I think you it's because it as you get older, like it's like, well, aspects of this I do like. And then aspects I don't like. And honestly, the things I don't like, they didn't really have me in mind anyway. Like they didn't make it. Yeah, for, exactly. it doesn't, it doesn't do me any good to be like, man, you know, what's fucking lame. My little pony. Like who cares? <laughs> who cares about my opinion on it's that? True. You know what I mean? And it's the same with it's true music. It's like, you know, if there's something I really don't care for, it's probably because the people that made it didn't give two shits about what I think (laughs) and who cares just move on to something you do like. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, definitely, definitely. (laughs) A little Um, rant. So, Oh, well, so, uh, now, uh, yep. Yep. Hey, that's what this (laughs) podcast is for. Little rants, rants. little rants. (laughs) 
Remember the the candy? I know. Lumps? That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of banana rants. Yeah. Well, whatever happened to rants, man? I don't. I think you can still buy them. I. They started to make just the bananas. You could buy just bags of bananas. Dude, but that was the that one I didn't like actually, the most. I think. Did you hear that? Um, Lucky Charms started selling uh, just the marshmallows. Oh, oops! All marshmallows. <laughs> Yeah, that probably, I don't know. Hmm. But no, you have to special order them and it comes in like a huge oh, bag. Damn. Like, like it's like a, I don't know, people spend their life savings that's, on it or that's something. That's a lot of mojo right there. That's a lot of lucky charms. <laughs> yeah. You could, uh, yeah, you could really um, put some curses on people and love charms and things. Yeah. Love isn't that, isn't that what lucky charms is used for? Magic? No. Uh, the cereal that's what i used it for when i was young in my (laughs) curse people you know in my rituals no i don't know i usually used it for uh, oh that's i should have done that makes way more sense do you remember okay before we get on to the local release (laughs) since we're on the topic of food (laughs) uh as cereal specifically Mm -hmm. Do you remember S'mores Grams? No, I don't think I ever had that. Oh, that was the best cereal <laughs> in existence. Damn. Like, honestly, that would be my whole reasoning for getting a time machine. <laughs> so that I could go back and ruin history by opening up a new box mm. of S'mores Grams. It was so Damn. good. It was like, it was this, um... It was like golden grams, mm-hmm. but it had like a chocolate dusting and then these marshmallows and little chocolate pieces. Mm. Oh, it was so good. Did you? S- like I can oh, just it was chocolate taste- dust. I thought you said angel dust. That's what I used to put on my golden grams. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> PCP. Yep. It, that's what angel dust is, is PCP, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I heard a story about a guy in the Quad Cities who... Uh, was on PCP and jumped out in front of cars and tried to pick them up with his uh, bare hands. Did he do it? I don't know. (laughs) I've heard it makes you very strong and cool and attractive. I wonder if if it makes your arm, like, be able to stretch, Mm -hmm. you know, like the stretch Armstrong. I think you can. That's okay. Yeah. Well, if that's that's the case, I know what I'm doing tonight. I think you turn into a full-on shapeshifter. On PCP. You can become anything you want. Yeah. You know, this is really uh, uh, just an extraordinary conversation. I'm so glad it turned into this. Yeah. Um, So, uh, yeah, the the, uh, local, uh, should I? Yes, let's go. I don't know. Should we talk about local music or local cereal? Because I'm Mm. sure there's a local cereal somewhere. Isn't. Quaker Oats and Cedar Rapids. Rapids, yeah. yep, yep. They um, there are days where they make um, the berries, the crunch mm. berries we were just talking about, and the entire downtown smells amazing. Yeah. Have you ever been to Waverly? Mm. No, I've never been to um, Waverly. It actually. smells like strawberry quick all the time. Mm-hmm. That's all. Do Do they have a strawberry? I think quick they do factory? make quick there. Yeah. Really? But it's a it's a great smelling huh, do, little town. Does it ever smell like chocolate? 
quick. I actually just smelled the same every day. So I don't know if it was strawberry or chocolate, but quick. It smelled like quick. Very interesting. I wonder if there's anybody that ever listens that's from Waverly. I would like to hear. Uh, well, I'd like to get ben him Driscoll on listens, it. And he's from Shell Rock. Okay. Which is basically so, Waverly-ish. Shell Rock. Shell Rock. There's a there's a town in Iowa called yeah. Shell Rock. Dude, that totally sounds like the Ninja Turtles or something. <laughs> yeah, that's rad. Yeah, no, that's that's where I never knew that fit is from. Yeah, I ne- Oh, I remember. Yeah, that's Ben. Fit. Ben is. Well, they were kind of like. They were kind of like a Operation yeah. Ivy Ska type yeah. thing. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, Okay, so anyway, (laughs) so the uh, local review Mm -hmm. this week is from uh, this project called Endless Reach. Uh, Brian Schnedler, who um, was also the singer of Trendy Bastard back in the day. Uh, He's since been in a few other groups like Wax Moth and Upon the Death Horse, which Upon the Death Horse was also a started as kind of a solo project of his endless reach i gather and i could be wrong um sure he's probably gonna listen but i i think it's just him uh so it's a solo project and um so he you can find endless reach on spotify there's two different parts of the we're talking about part one or volume one And there's also some singles that he did and also some videos on YouTube that if you just look up endless reach, like Muscatine or something, it'll bring that up. Um, But yeah, this is really cool stuff. Um, It actually kind of shocked me that he was doing this kind of stuff. Like the first song sounds something straight out of a John Carpenter soundtrack, Um, like a film score. It's, very synth heavy and kind of has like almost like an eighties sort of, you know, also like eighties action movie vibe behind it or something or sci-fi. I mean, think escape from New York or really just, you know, they live or anything like that. But also clearly uh, he actually told me that one of, uh, one of the things he's always wanted to do was actually uh, do the score for a horror movie. And so that's not all this project is. There's also um, like the second track uh, really is just uh, ambient droney type stuff, um, which is a little bit closer uh, to his old project upon the death horse. I'm not sure if he's still doing that. I know he's got another group that he does with Chris, the former drummer of Trendy Bastard. And I can't remember what, that project is but anyway um yeah i mean it it totally reminds me of john carpenter there's elements of parts of it kind of have like a almost like a i don't know like a godspeed feel to it or something um but for the most part i would say throughout the entire uh seven tracks that are on this uh the synth is definitely the most prominent uh, the prominent instrument for sure. And it's just, it's really cool. If you're into, you know, John Carpenter soundtracks, if you're into 
Godspeed. And I, I kind of struggle to finding other comparisons here. Eric, you might have some more insight. Uh, Cause I feel like you're maybe a little more versed in sort of like the genre that you would put endless reach into, but it's really, really cool stuff. Really awesome. Uh, awesome to listen to. And I'm glad that Brian is doing something like this. I'm very curious what your thoughts are about endless reach, Eric. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I loved it. I mean, absolutely loved it. And, um, I'm amazed that I don't really know this person or their previous work. I've heard trendy bastard, um, only a couple songs or whatever. So, um, but this is really, uh, really cool. And I think what makes it cool for me is that I am into various things that, that this explores. So in reality, there are a lot of different things happening here. Um, so there is the synthwave element, which you talked about, the John Carpenter style stuff. But then we go into straight score music, which is a lot of piano, a lot of cello, um, things like that. And those pieces especially reminded me of like um, Charlie Clauser or um, or even uh, Trent Reznor, like Nine Inch Nails, especially the piano pieces uh, sound quite a bit like the slower parts of some nine inch nails things like um something i can never have or a warm place things like that um but then we also go into straight like soundscapes atmospheric soundscapes which are closer to i don't even know um just the ambient elements of horror movie movie scores and so I think this is really well thought out and I think it's really mature and I think it shows a real love for this kind of music and this kind of atmosphere and a, a true understanding of what they're doing here. Um, I think that sometimes people get stuck in like a, a synth wave kind of thing. Like I do synth wave. And then every song sounds just like Escape from New York. You know, every single song is just an arpeggiated synth bouncing around while you turn the filter, like Stranger Things. You know, that's just what you do. But this isn't like that. This really moves around, does a lot of things. And I, yeah, I think it's great. I wish. Honestly, the only way I can put this is this is the kind of music I've been wanting to hear on a local level for a really long time. And it hasn't up until this point. And obviously, I don't know what everyone's doing out there. So I should say, in my experience, up to this point, I haven't heard anything presented uh, that was this um, well done. It's not noise music. It's not improv. It's not someone just screwing around with electronics like this really is well thought out could be dropped straight into a horror movie right now without any of the cheesiness it's just yeah i don't 
I loved it. And I would say that if you are a fan of synthwave soundscapes, horror scores, um, and I would say also some ambient elements of, like I said, um, Nine Inch Nails, things like that. You're, you're really going to like this. And it, it doesn't, it's not afraid to let the songs um, just run their course and take as long as they need to take. And that doesn't mean that it's just on and on and it's boring. Like, no, it just has an, a feel to it and an atmosphere and it lets you live inside it for a while. And, um, yeah, I was blown away by it. I can't wait to check out the Friends of Horror Volume 2. And um, I can't wait to hear more of this. And I wouldn't mind playing a show with Endless Reach and um, starting a whole new scene. So just just throwing that out there. So, yeah, I've really loved it. Yeah. You heard it first there, Brian. <laughs> You're listening. You're listening. That uh, was quite the compliment from my comrade, <laughs> Eric Whitaker. Um, yeah, no, it, it really is really good stuff. Really good stuff. I mean, I was blown away. I actually sent him a message and was just like, the synth, the synth sounds you're getting are freaking amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he told me what kind of synth he had, and I can't remember oh my what gosh. it is. But I'm, I need to know. <laughs> well, I kind of think maybe we should have him on the show. Okay. Yeah. Well, that'd be and sweet. And then you would, I think you would have a lot of questions. I think I would America. too. Nice. And so Brian, Sned, <laughs> from Trendy Bastard and Wax Moth and Upon the Death Horse and Endless Reach and that other band <laughs> with Chris, also formerly of Trendy Bastard. You need to come on the show, man. And we're not going to make it happen. Only you will. <laughs> it's your your responsibility. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I've already I've already talked to him oh, about it. He totally has to be on. So that'd be great. We are going to actually have Brian on the show. I just don't know yeah. when. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic stuff. Yes, like Eric said, you're into all that stuff. John Carpenter movies. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about the Nine Inch Nails. Yeah, if you listen to it again, especially the piano tone is, I don't know if that's a, and hopefully this isn't offensive, but I don't know if it's a preset sort of, of just the piano sound, but it sounds almost just like the, um, something I could never have piano, which is phenomenal. Hmm. I mean. That's off of uh, the Fragile, right? Mm, Or what's something I can, what what, what album is that off of? Is it something I can never have? Yeah. Okay. I I am the most uneducated Nine Inch Nails fan. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know what Closer is on. Yeah. I know what Head Like a Hole is yeah. on. I guess, I guess I do. I am pretty familiar with uh, the first, like, three. Like, particularly Pretty Hate Machine, Broken, and Downward yeah, Spiral. Yeah, that's about where I kind of stopped. I know that the other stuff is yeah. great, but I just haven't yeah. gotten to it yet. So I really like the record Year Zero. I think that oh, was yeah. a really good one. Cool. Very, very Maybe good. Maybe I'll one. just make um, my way through that discography sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would probably definitely be worth your time. Have you listened to the Ghosts? No. Uh, instrumental? Oh, you would okay. love that, that stuff, right. Eric. You would love it. 
Well, maybe um, I'll start at the latest record and go backwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, I mean, not? why not? What's the diff? Why not? Yes. That, that's a good idea, actually. <laughs> maybe I should do that sometime uh, with a, with yeah. a band. Um, all right. So uh, social medias, man. Uh, uh, let us know how we're doing. Yeah, please. <laughs> I asked a bunch of questions um, and I didn't get all that many responses. So. But on the other hand, thank you all for listening yeah. and supporting the podcast. We know you're out there because, you know, we we, uh, we see the downloads happening. So that's yeah. awesome. We can see the light shining I'm off so of your happy. eyes in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> we can. We are you. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, my name is Dan underscore the underscore ruler and. Eric, I'm just going to yeah, let you it's say your eerie name. Eerie underscore Eric underscore Whitaker. And those are both yeah. on Instagrams. And plus, we uh, we have an Accelerative Thrust official Instagram. Feel mm-hmm. free to send us a message through that or comment or whatever, uh, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook, we also have an official Facebook. And uh, there's also still the Accelerative Thrust YouTube channel. Um And, uh, that really hasn't, I haven't done anything with that for three months as time goes on. Yeah. Well, well, summer's almost here. We're going to, we're going to bring that back. We're going to bring it back. We're going to go back to the old days. (laughs) Yeah. Just like back to the future. In the good old days, they didn't have YouTube. They had one channel on the TV (laughs) and then the rest snow, complete snow. Oh, I miss snow, kind of. So do I. Though you, you could get some really great sounds. Speaking of snow, snow. Uh, we have a guest next week that has nothing to do with snow. <laughs> well, I don't know. His music sounds kind of cold yeah, sometimes. Kind of blizzardy, snowy. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, Brian Barr Are we talking is going to be Brian next, Barr? To, next week with us. Brian Barr. Brian Barr. From a seat and also from Brian. Ladies Barr. and gentlemen, I better <laughs> also. Yeah, that's true. He is from Brian yeah. Barr. There's a lot of a lot of stuff that I'll we'll talk to Brian about. Actually, I need to send him a message and remind him uh, about that because I haven't. Maybe um, I, maybe that won't happen. Maybe I was lying. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. But if not, you can definitely guarantee more bullshit <laughs> from our mouths. For sure. So thank you for listening. Um, and uh, you all have a good day, afternoon, night, whatever it is that you're listening to this podcast whenever. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>